Well, you're in for a real treat tonight. My wife's mom and dad are with us. It's kind of become a family tradition. They come and hang out with the family on Thanksgiving, and we get a chance for them to minister in the life of our church. But uh, Apostle C, he was my pastor in California for a number of years, and uh, today he functions as an apostle around the world. And uh, he's been instrumental in this church since its inception. I mean, installed its first pastor and was a part of us being here. And I want you to give him a big hand tonight as he comes. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Wasn't that a wonderful worship service? I tell you, that, that inspired me. Because uh, it, I'm going to talk about several of the songs that were sung. Uh, it's been a joy being here. I've been here now a few days. Got to see my grandkids, and uh, a few a few were at it, you know, in the last uh, couple of years, and I have such a wonderful time with my daughter and son-in-law. You've got the best here. I want you to know, they were on our staff in San Jose, and uh, blessed our church, blessed me, of course. I'm prejudiced a little bit to my daughter. But you know, John's not so bad. <laughs> and uh, I think he's one of the great pastors. I'll tell you, he's a man of integrity. You're not going to read about him in the scandal sheet. You're not going to read about him making off with the money of the treasury. You're going to find he's a man that lives what he preaches. He lives the song he sings and the testimony he gives. Can you say amen? And uh, I can't say too much about my daughter because that would be bragging. Before I speak, our teacher asked us what our favorite animal was. And I said, fried chicken. This is a seven-year-old boy. She said I wasn't funny. But she couldn't have been right because everyone in the class laughed. My parents told me to always be truthful and honest, and I am. Fried chicken is my favorite animal. I told my dad what happened, and he said my teacher was probably a member of PETA. He said they love animals very much. I do too, especially chicken, pork, and beef. Anyways, my teacher sent me to the principal's office, and I told him what happened, and he laughed too. Then he told me not to do it again. Well, the next day... In class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. I told her it was chicken. And she asked me, why? Just like she asked the other children. So I told her, because you can make them into fried chicken. <laughs> so she sent me back to the principal's office again. He laughed and told me not to do it again. I don't understand. My parents taught me to be honest. But my teacher doesn't like it when I am. Today... My teacher asked me to tell her what my famous person that we admire most. I told her, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Guess where I am now. I like church. I've been in church all my life. There never was a time when I was not in church. I was saved at the age of four. Filled with the Holy Ghost. 
at the age of four, began to prophesy at the age of five. And I love church. And people don't understand it. When I go on vacation, I go to church. And they say, well, you're in church all the time. I know. But church is not a duty, not a habit. It's not something I must do. It is something I love to go to church. Now, I went to a church in Hot Springs Village, and I love going to church, but it was dead. The worship, well, they were singing about heaven, home, and mother, and uh, it, was, it was, I just was very uncomfortable. And I, I was just praying for an exit to get out of there. But I felt like prophesying, but I knew I better not. But my prophecy would have been, this church is going to be the first church in the resurrection. The dead in Christ will rise first. If you're alive, say amen. I want to talk to you. But before I do, I want to tell you about a young man. I see a lot of young people here. He was a young man somewhere in his late teens. And he was kidnapped by like the Al-Qaeda pagan, ungodly people that would steal children and capture them and take them away from their parents and away from their home and away from their environment. And this young man was taken from his family. He'll never see them again. They shave his hair. They put him in a pagan college to learn the pagan religion. They surgically make a eunuch out of him. He'll never be a husband. He'll never be a father. He will be a captive in a heathen pagan country. Made to observe all of their rituals, educated in the university, training him to become one of that culture and one of that people. And they change his name and give him the name of the heathen god, the pagan god. Away from home, away from family, in total captivity, you can't imagine a worse thing ever happening to a young man or a young woman or anybody. When you and I think of what we go through, hard times, hard problems, difficulties, there's nobody in my recall that had it any worse than this young man, and his name is Daniel. And they changed his name, but they couldn't change his heart. They changed his garments, but they couldn't change his faith. They changed his environment, but they couldn't change his love for God. They tried every which way to infiltrate and indoctrinate. But it says in Daniel 1, verse 6, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled. Oh, yeah, he, he wore the Babylonian clothes. Oh, yeah, he, was, he was, looked like a Babylonian. Yes, he went to the Babylonian university. Yes, he served 
in the government of an ungodly monarch. But somehow, someway, through it all and in it all and with it all, he kept his faith in the God that he loved and the God that loved him. Let me hear an amen. No matter what the devil throws your way, no matter what has come your way, no matter what will yet come your way, I want you to know something. You do not have to lose your faith, lose your confidence, lose your testimony, lose your righteousness. You, 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 you can face any situation. If you are facing a worse situation than Daniel, I don't think so. Now, we must keep the faith when the enemy attacks us with fears and doubts. And we, and we must walk in faith daily. We are not hanging on in desperation. All of us, including your pastor and including your guest speaker, are battling discouragement. All of us battle discouragement. We must resist the devil and his attempts to discourage us. He's constantly trying to get us to compare ourselves with other people and look at other people and then make us feel inferior or deficient or that we are not, we're not up to snuff, we're not up to par. And uh, so if we can't be holy like we sang, holy, 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 he constantly nitpicks and shows us our failures in our fall. The reason we come to church is not because we're perfect. The reason we come to church is not because we are a fail-proof. The reason we come to church is the church is the place to get into the presence of God and get fixed up and get renewed and revitalized and recover. Come on now. That's why we come to church, to build us up and make us stronger. And so I'm finding that everybody I know right now is hurting somewhere in some way. I don't know a person. And I know, well, I know hundreds. I know thousands. I don't know anybody that isn't having some kind of a problem, either in their own physical body or the bodies that, of their loved ones, their parents, their children, their grandchildren, their siblings, or financially. I mean, we've been hit hard in California, and I'm sure you have here in, in Texas too. Hard with thousands, thousands losing their homes, thousands and millions, in fact, losing their jobs and their old age pensions and their TSAs and their retirements. And it, it's, it's, it's probably the worst time that this generation, I was a depression baby, so I remember a little bit about the Great Depression. But to everyone now that's going through what they're going through, it is a great depression. And my job <laughs> is to go all over the world and tell people that God is in control, that God is going to see that every one of his people, every one of his children will not lose their faith. He is going to encourage. He's going to strengthen. He's going to fortify. And he is going to cause a great and tremendous victory in the middle of this crisis. Let me hear an amen. I'm going to prophesy in just a minute. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Be self-controlled. 
your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But verse 9 says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the whole world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Everywhere I've been in the world, there is suffering, economic suffering. You know what's happening in Europe? You know what's happening in Asia? You know what's happening? You know, <laughs> the dollar is being devalued. I could go on and on, all the negatives. I want to tell you something. I, in the middle of this, I, I'm, I'm saying it with all of my heart. It is the truth. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory because I'm hooked up. I am related. I am in covenant with Almighty God. And he says no matter what we go through, he goes through it with us. No matter what is happening, we're not alone. But we may feel at times forsaken. Can you imagine Daniel imprisoned, all of his freedom gone, everything that he ever enjoyed taken from him? But look at when you go to the book of Daniel. Look what it says in the ninth chapter. In verse 2, yea, while I was speaking in prayer. Everybody say in prayer. Even the man Gabriel, whom <laughs> I had seen in the vision at the beginning. Be, <laughs> he flew. Evidently, angels fly. This one flew and touched him about the time of the evening oblation. And then he informed me and asked with me and said, and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, your prayers, your weeping, your crying, your travailing, at the very beginning, the commandment came forth. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly Greatly, is this one of the songs that you sang a while ago? Greatly loved, greatly beloved, greatly favored. Therefore, understand the matter and consider. Daniel has a tendency here in crying out to God, in praying out to God, to be human in saying, God, these things are happening. All of these things are happening. The sins of our nation, the sins of our people, the sins of our ancestors, the sins. Now it's just compiling, and we're experiencing something. But there was a prophecy given. There was a promise made. Now in the 10th chapter, it said on the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all in these three whole weeks. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, 
Now, he lifted his eyes up and he saw something. <laughs> he saw a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold. His body also was like beryl and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Verse 7. But the men that were with me, they didn't see the vision, but a great quickening fell upon them. Therefore I was left alone and I... I saw this great vision. Let's skip down to verse 12. Then said he unto me, this angelic being, it may have been the Lord Jesus himself, this great and tremendous being said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for thou from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God in fasting thy words were heard and i am come for thy words but the prince of the kingdom of persia withstood me one and twenty days but lo michael one of the chief princes came to help me and i remained there with the king of persia have you ever had a delay in Answers to prayer. Have you ever had a time when it seemed like heaven was brass? And you cry and you pray and others encourage you to pray and you even join with you and pray and you pray and pray and pray and pray. And it seems like that God is indifferent, that heaven isn't interested. And that maybe you just might as well give up praying. This is where, <laughs> this is where I want to talk about the power of endurance. The power of endurance. I've been saved since I was four years old. So that means I've been saved <laughs> over 75 years. Saved 75 years. I have no desire to go back in the world. I have no desire to quit. I have no desire to leave the ministry, or to leave what people think is crazy, to live a life of righteousness and holiness and victory and shout and yell all over the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is God manifest in the flesh, that He died and rose again, and He lives and He hears and answers prayer. I have no desire at all, and never, to give that up. And I'm not nuts. <laughs> I believe that God answers prayer. And I had an experience. January, February, and March was the worst three months that I can remember in maybe a score of years. Maybe the worst time. It was horrible. I can't go into in all the details except to say everything that was glued down, came unglued. Everything was happening. People in trouble, pastors in trouble, churches in trouble, finances in trouble, people divorcing, people sick. Four ministers with cancer. Four pastors with four cancer 
for. What does that word for mean? It means it is spreading. It means it's rapid. It means it's not just a little tumor, but it's almost beyond cure. They will do chemo. They will do radiology. And we are just fighting battles and praying and fasting. We began a Daniel fast, 21 days. We were going to fast and would not eat pleasant food. And we knew that this fasting thing, when, when things are difficult, fasting really helps. But everything was going wrong. Our phone rang 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, another tragedy, another tragedy, another tragedy, another trouble, 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 trouble. And day and night, we wet the pillow with tears, crying out to God, crying out to God. I knew somewhere, some way, there was going to be a breakthrough. I knew it. <laughs> Here. But everything was dismal and black and dark and the devil screaming, it isn't going to happen. Now, we finally tried to get our mind off of everybody's problem, turned on a little movie, went to bed. It was about midnight. And I said, honey, we didn't check our blood pressure in a few days. Why in the world I would say that? And so she said, okay, I'll go get it. I said, well, you're in bed. We can wait till tomorrow. No, I'll go get it. She, the worst thing I could have done is insisted that she go ahead and do it. But she did, and she screamed. It was 197 over 110. That is high. In the middle of all of this, and I said, oh, honey. And she said, oh, what, what should I do? What should I do? And she started panicking. Now we're fasting. We're praying. We're in the spirit. We're, we're right with God. We're not cheating. We're not stealing. We're not lying. We're not sinning. <laughs> we're even losing weight. We lost 20 pounds. Woo! Maybe that was a sin of pride and arrogance. You eat the fat and drink the sweet, you know. I've got scriptures for being fat. What's your problem? So I didn't know what to do. And I, I thought, uh, Mike, I thought of call, calling uh, Pittsburgh because I knew it was probably 5, 30, 6 o'clock in Pittsburgh, and at least somebody would be awake. So I called Virginia, who's a nurse, a registered nurse, and I, and I got her out of bed, and I said, I apologize, but what is 197 over 110? She said, ambulance. Call an ambulance. And I said, no, come on. Not in the middle of this great, tremendous time in our life. So and I, I thought I'll call Pastor Oda. He's a businessman. Pastors, our church there has 70 men working for him. He goes to bed at 9. Oh, God, I can't wake him up at 1230, but I did. I said, Francis Oda, forgive me, Apostle C. My wife has 197 blood pressure, over 110. What does that mean? He said, I'm coming to take her to the hospital. We went to the emergency. They began to examine her immediately. just happened to be that Caroline Oda was on the board of the hospital, and we went right through, didn't have to fill out any papers, and the cardiologist came, thank God, and he examined, and he said, we got to do a stress test, we got to do this, and they, they, they worked on her all night, and they said, 
we have to do an angiogram. And she said, no. And you don't know my wife when she says no. She's just like an L. I'm telling you, when she says no, you don't change your mind. And uh, I said, honey, I, I, I don't understand this. But another cardiologist took me aside, and he said, you've got to talk her into it because we, we're really deeply concerned. She failed the crest test with all of the, the, the electronics, and she failed it, and, and it looks bad. And here we are, it's about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and in walks a man. And he said, hello, Apostle C, Sister C. And I don't know him. He said, I'm Dr. Akaka. I am the chief of staff here. I, I run this hospital. Can I pray for her? And he sat down in the bed and prayed for her. And he said, you know, I just feel like you ought to go get the, the angiogram. And, and, you know, let's find out what, 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 what it is because it's getting bad. And she said, no, no. I said, you know, I want to pray. I want to pray some more. This is not right. Can't happen. Can't go through this. I've got too many other people's problems and burdens. I can't have one myself. And I spent all night praying. And then I said, God, I make a vow. The vow that I make to you is if her arteries are 100% perfect. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going back to casting out devils and healing the sick. I've always prayed for the sick, but I've not, I've not taken the time to really be compassionate enough to spend 10 or 50 minutes with the sick. And you give me this miracle as a sign. Went back. I said, honey, I think you ought to do it. I kind of feel like God's going to do something here. She went in, had the surgery. Hour and a half later, the doctor came and he said, pristine. And I said, what does that mean? He said, your wife has the arteries of a 16-year-old. <laughs> and yesterday, her blood pressure was 170 over 70. Come on, give the Lord a hand. 117. She is, I don't know. <laughs> How many days, whether it's 21 days or 21 weeks or 21 months. But I'm telling you. You've got to endure. You've got to wait patiently upon the Lord, not give in, not give up, not lose hope, not lose confidence, not lose faith, not lose patience, because he will hear an answer and come through to victory. Delays are not denials. And when you say, I don't understand why the delay, it's called spiritual warfare. There was a demonic angel that withheld the answer to prayer. From the first day that Daniel prayed. Everybody say first day. The Bible says God sent an angel to tell him, your prayer was heard not in the dead letter box of heaven not wrong address wrong number no no the first
day that you prayed. Isn't this the most amazing thing you ever read in the Bible? The first day you prayed. God hears, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nothing like this has ever happened to me with such delays and such. But it caused me to understand something, church. Listen to me. Crying out to God. Men don't like to cry. Women cry more than men. But the Bible talks about every major prophet, every major patriarch in the Bible crying out to God. And David said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Come on. But the first day you pray, God hears you. There may be some interfering spirits. There may be some spiritual warfare. There may be some struggles. There may be some, some uh, great, great. The Bible said that Paul, the apostle, said, I long to come to you, but Satan hindered me. If the greatest apostle that ever lived outside of Jesus said, I wanted to come. And then he made another statement. He said, there's an effectual door open to me for the gospel. But what? Many adversaries. And Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Look at me. Look, look at me. Look at me. You've got to be strong. Not just for yourself. Not just for your family. America needs strong men and women who know the power of God and know the power of prayer and know the power of intercession. I got a call today from a pastor. And he said, Apostle C., Guess how many showed up to prayer today? And I knew, I knew, I knew. Because I made an altar call last week. Was it last week? I made an altar call, and half of the church said they were intercessors. Half of them. Only one showed up for prayer today. I said, and I tried to compromise. I said, well, you know, it's Thanksgiving, and everybody's busy, and they're Christmas shopping, and it's Black Sunday, and Black Friday, and Black Tuesday. But I always a reason for not <laughs> You can make excuses. You're not an intercessor if you don't intercede. You're not a prayer warrior unless you fight the fight of faith and prayer. You're not a prayer warrior unless you know that you're going to fight demonic forces that will want to steal your children, take away your joy, take away your job, take away your health, take away your unity and harmony in your marriage and bring confusion and division in your church. Be on guard. That roaring lion, the devil, is just waiting for an opportunity to devour. So we've got to be strong in faith. Come on, come on. We've got to be strong in faith. We can't capitulate. We can't give up just because we have some moods. We have some emotional things. Just because struggles begin to happen to us and the devil's screaming, you're a hypocrite. You're a phony. If you were a man of God, you'd be wealthy. If you were a man of God, 
you know, he's, <laughs> no, 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 no. Men of God do suffer. Men of God. And the thing is, endurance is the test of what you're made out of. The test of what you're made out of. 62 and a half years in full-time ministry. And I want to tell you something. I can tell you God is the source of my strength. God is a keeper. Everybody say, put your hands say, God is a keeper. He that keepeth thee neither slumbers nor sleep. There are no surprises to God. Nothing is hid from him. Everything that's happening in your life, everything about you, he knows about it. He knows about it. And he loves you. And can I just say something? He knows that we're just human beings. He knows that we are just frail. And therefore, he says, call unto me and I'll answer you and give you strength and power. And I'll show you how to overcome and get through it all. Amen. We agonize over Corbin. He's my new grandson. And when uh, Robin called, I mean, we were on the phone almost every day. Every day, every day, every day. Corbin, a rapid growing cancer. God gave her a word of knowledge when they thought it was the flu that she needed to get him to the doctor and get examined. It wasn't the flu. It wasn't just some kind of a little little sickness. And if it wasn't for her getting it, getting it from God and her taking <laughs> the initiative, God knows that little Corbin wouldn't be with us. But this young boy, see him play every day. He's been, for the last three days, been over at John Linnell's house, and I see him jumping and jumping and running. Got the biggest smile on his face, full of life and energy. And I'm like, Whoa! God did it again as a testimony to church under rock that he hears and answers prayer. That you never give up. You never give up. You never give up. You never give up. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that two of the cancer ministers are now completely cancer free? I, I have to say one, we buried one last week. Right with God, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, a healing evangelist in his own right. And yet, in the midst of all of this, here's this pastor of ours in Kanaoli, Hawaii. Her and her husband, he was a he was a a physicist building atomic uh, weapons in Livermore. Anyways, long story short, they're now pastoring our church. She got cancer of the breast, had surgery. It went into her thyroids. It went all over her body. I'm feeling bad now. This was part of my three months. I'm feeling bad. I said, Vicki, I'm, I'm praying hard. And she looked at me, and she said something that I'll never forget. She said, Apostle C, you can't scare me with heaven. I laughed. I mean, my, my, my disappointment, my discouragement. Ah, you 
cat scaring me with and she's completely cancer free. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. If you endure, your faith is strong. In the middle. Now a lot of people can say, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? What if it doesn't? Heaven's not so bad. <laughs> I love it. And God saw her integrity and faith. Like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not just going to thank him for every gift this Christmas and every good thing. I'm going to thank him Irregardless, because in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Put up your hands high, everybody. Are you, are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need men and women and young people and college kids and teenagers who are in it for the finish. In it for the finish. In it. To then he that endureth to the end. Hallelujah. Shall be saved. You are saved. You're born again. You're being saved. You're growing. You're getting more spiritual. You're getting stronger and stronger. And yet, as you endure to the end, so many people are quitting. So many people are stopping. So many people are throwing the towel. And so many people... This city is filled with thousands of backsliders. Thousands of people that one time believed and now they're disappointed and discouraged. Somebody let them down. They think God let them down. The preacher let them down. The church let them down. Let me tell you something. I'm here to tell you don't stop praying for that unsaved child. Don't stop praying for that backslidden daughter. Don't stop praying for that man that's abused you and, and been such a hard husband. Don't stop praying for what, 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 what seems like an impossible situation. Go read the book of Daniel. Daniel, you're greatly loved. Daniel, you are so loved. I'm sending the biggest angel in heaven. And I think, me thinks that God said, I'll just send Jesus. Because the description of that last being. Wow. Now you say, but that was Daniel. Oh, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? Look at me. Look at me. God loves you and me just as much as he loves Daniel. Now that will make you shout. Oh, that, that isn't a shout. Yeah. Wimpy. Come on. He loves you as much as he loves me and Daniel. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Don't give up. Don't give up. I don't know. They may be on drugs. They may be addicted. They may be an alcoholic. They may be a homosexual. They may be... They may be in jail, they may be, well, I don't know who is on your heart. Don't give up. <laughs> 21 days, 21 weeks, 
21, it doesn't matter. It's a time period. But read verse 2 of Daniel 10. It said the appointed time. Everybody say the appointed time. I know you struggled here in this church. I've, uh, this is my son-in-law. This is my daughter. And I've prayed for them. And we've, we've known the struggle. Are we ever going to break, you know, break this terrible thing, that, that, uh, the number problem and, and the financial problem, and stayed there in faith. They stayed there in endurance, believing that God was going to do something. And you're in a building that's been remodeled and blessed, and you burn the markets. Come on. Hallelujah. And you're moving out and you're growing. You're going to three services. And I prophesy to you, you're going to have other campuses beside this building. Because there is power in prayer. Hallelujah. Now, I want to give you a prophecy. I want you to take down this prophecy. And I've got to give it to you in a hurry. And I'm going to read it right out of the Bible. Are you ready for it? It's Leviticus the 26th chapter. This is the prophecy. If you want me to read it, say amen. It is, though it is in Leviticus, it is up to date right now. It's up to date for this church. It's up to date. <laughs> and, and I just feel quickened by the Spirit to give you. It's in Leviticus 26, verse 3, the 12. Are you ready? Because I really believe Pastor John and Linnell and the leadership, Pastor Mike, and all of the elders and deacons and leaders, this is really a key time for us prophetically in this church. We're at the end of an old season. We're at the end of an old year. We're coming into a brand new season. The weariness of the old is lifting, and God is setting us up for a mighty renewal and increase. Look what it says. If. Verse 3, you will follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit. Verse 5, your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in this land. And you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove savage beasts from the land. And the sword will not pass through your country. Verse 7. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall before you. Verse 9. I will look on you with favor. I will look on you with favor, everybody say favor, and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. Verse 10, here it is, are you ready? You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Somebody shout hallelujah. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. New cycle of blessing for this church. Number one, timely provisions. Number two, year-round abundance. Number three, protection and peace. <laughs> Number four, freedom. Number five, shared victories. Number six, favor. 
Number seven, increased numbers. And number eight, divine presence, the power of God. I prophesy to you, there's going to be such a move of the Spirit of God at COTR here in Texarkana. <laughs> Put up your hands, everybody. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Pastor John said, by the way, you sing it now. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe? Put up your hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for miracles. I'm going to pray for healings. I'm going to pray for jobs. I'm going to pray for increases in salaries. I'm going to pray for people that have lost their retirement or their pension or their TSAs. I'm going to pray for them in this prayer. Get ready for the biggest miracle. I'm going to pray for cancer to be healed. I'm going to pray for diabetes to be healed. I'm going to pray for insomnia to be healed. I'm going to pray for every sickness and disease that's here. Are you ready for a miracle? Tell God you're ready right now. Out loud, out loud. Say, God, I'm ready for a miracle. Let's say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I don't hear you say, Lord Jesus, I heard your word. I heard if I believe these things will happen. I'm believing now. I know that you gave us the word that you are going to turn our captivity, that you're going to move in our life. Now, Lord Jesus, I submit to your will. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are my savior. You are my healer. You're my provider. Now, listen to me. Stand on your feet and put your hand on the part of your body you want a miracle. Oh, hallelujah. Put your hand on the body, your back, your head, your, all right, your spine, your neck. Your, oh, Before I pray this prayer, I want to hear some praising here. Everybody just slip your hand up. Start praising the Lord. Start praising the Lord. Then we'll put our hands. Glory to God. In the midst of the praises of God's people. In my last meeting uh, two weeks ago, a pastor from Dakota ran around the building, threw his walking sticks away, and completely healed by the power of God. Another pastor had diabetes in its worst stage. He couldn't hardly walk to the front. He came up and he said, I need your help. I said, I prayed the mass prayer. He said, but I need it now. And I prayed. And he was in the cafeteria the next day. He come up to the table. He said, I'm completely healed. I ate five slices of bacon. I said, I didn't tell you to eat bacon. <laughs> he said, I ate it. And he's healed. Now, put your hand right now where you want God to heal. Your stomach, your eyes, your ears. In the name of Jesus. 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 I command every sickness every disease, every spirit of infirmity, heart trouble, diabetes, insomnia, sinus, sinus problems, allergies. I command the pain, the soreness and the stiffness to go in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. Now raise your hands and shout and give God glory and give God praise. Give God thanks. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God. Come on, give God a big praise tonight. He is worthy of all our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank you may you be Jesus. seated just a second. Oh. Today I want to close the service. You know, he was talking about enduring, and he was talking about, about quitting. Now, I guarantee you, every one of us in this room have at some stage of the game felt like, something's not working. I just don't know if I can keep going in this direction. And I'm going to ask him at the end, of the end of the service when we dismiss, if you're here today and you just right now in your world are honest enough to say, I, I just kind of feel like quitting. It's just been a difficult season of my life. It could have been whatever the reason is. How many know when disappointment sets in, it kind of becomes a disease to you and it just robs the life out of you? Well, you know what? When you recognize it for what it really you know when you can live with it and it just seems like, well, you know, okay. But sometimes you realize that this is an enemy that's out to destroy me. And I'm going to pray that God would break that off of me, that God would just close the door. Because how many know the devil, if he finds an open door to come into your life, he'll come in until you finally say, get out and leave me alone. And I'm making my stand in faith today to believe that God will do that. So I wonder if you're here today and say, man, I hate to say it, but I am. That's me. But I want to be free from that. I don't, I don't want to quit. I don't want to turn my back on God. And listen, I don't want to just go halfway. Because what many people do is it's not just a start or a stop, but you just kind of lose something and you coast. I mean, no disappointment can make you coast, and sometimes coasting is just as bad. Just kind of accepting it and just going along with it. But if your faith is up, I don't know about you, but my faith is lifted tonight. I mean, no, faith is an ingredient, it's a key ingredient to see God do miracles in your life. So if you're here this evening and say, Pastor, that's me. I want God to break this thing off me. I don't want to be a quitter. I don't want to, I don't want to stop. I want to go forward. You just lift your hand. Let me see who you are tonight. This, yeah, yeah. Come on, other people today. I, I, I just kind of feel like quitting. All right, well, here's what we're going to do in just a second. I'm just going to invite you to come to the front. And it won't be a lengthy thing, but I'm just going to ask him to just go and just touch you and just believe God for the power of the Holy Spirit to break that thing and to close the door where Satan's tried to destroy you. Praise the Lord. Now listen, while he's praying, in just a second, of course, we got our soup and sandwich in the cafe. Go back and hang out with us back there. Love to have you. But I want to give those of you that would join me in receiving an offering this evening for our guests. The Bible says those that preach the gospel do what? They live from the gospel. And if you'd like to show into his life and say, God bless you and thanks for being here, I'll just leave my Bible up front or there'll be ushers at the back door and uh, you can just give and we'll make sure all that goes to him. But I just want to invite you right now that just, that just lifted your hand a minute ago said, I'm just struggling with going forwards, and I want God to help me finish strong. Just come on up to the front right now. Why don't you just come and line up at the front? I'm just going to have him lay his hand on you. 